Jesus Blood Never Failed Me Yet. It's uh, probably one of the oldest pieces in my catalogue. It's one of the uh, most of a lot of my early things I've thrown away, but this is one I've kept because uh, it's still, although it's incredibly simple, it's still it's something which uh, still touches me, and I think it touches people even now. Uh, it's very simple. Just a, an old man singing a fragment of a religious song, which he he probably improvised. He made it up himself. And accompaniment is gradually added just to reinforce the voice and to support it. And it's a, it's a kind of meditative piece, but it, it has a real emotional color. And doing it in a space like St. Michael's here um, it enriches it because you know, the, the space also becomes part of the, the piece. And uh, it, it, although it's a kind of religious song, it's not a specifically Christian piece, although it's about Jesus, but it, it, for me it's a, a kind of piece, a, a sort of piece of humanity. Uh, the man has simple faith and optimism, but his, his, his faith and his, his, his actually, it's a very uplifting thing. And, but this is a man living on the streets towards the end of his life, no hope really, yet for him life sounds good. You know, it, it, you can almost hear a kind of smile in his voice. There's no depression in it at all. And uh, it, I, I always enjoy doing it. I don't do it that often, but I never tire of playing the piece. What happened was a friend of mine was making a, a film about people living rough in London in 1971, around Waterloo and Elephant and Castle. And I wasn't involved with the film at all, though he asked me to do some work on mixing some ambient tapes later. And then when he'd finished with all the audio things, he gave me boxes of tapes so I could just simply reuse them because, you know, a reel of tape was worth something to us, you know, we didn't have much money. And for some reason, I, ha I happened to listen to this one. I put it on, I listened on headphones all the way through. And you had lots of things of people very drunk, talking about their lives, sometimes breaking into song. And, and sort of it was pretty terrible bits of opera, bits of pop songs, folk stuff. But, little by, but eventually, in the middle of all this kind of real shambles, there was this little 26-second duel. And I was, what's that? And in fact, I found out that of all the people who he interviewed, this man was, he didn't drink at all. He's not alcoholic. He was simply an old man, late 70s, around about 80, down on his luck, living on the streets, not long to live. And there's no photograph of him. He wasn't using the film, so we don't know what it looks like. We don't know his name. All that we have of him is just this 26 seconds of song which has been destined for the rubbish bin. It's been thrown away and I happened to listen to it and, and kept it. And in a way, it's a kind of like a, a very beautiful requiem uh, to his memory, but also a kind of also a, a piece of uplifting music which is taking him into the future. You know, he's eternal now, you know, he goes on forever, which is great. kind of Beckett sense of it, you know, as, as Sean said, you know, the, the, the old man living on the street, the tram, the down and out, um, but retaining a degree of dignity uh, and also a degree of 
probably like almost an ironic humor. There's a sense in which, you know, he's singing Jesus' blood never failed me yet. But in a way, if Jesus ever failed anybody, he'd failed this poor old man. But he didn't see it that way. And there is a sort of sense, there's that kind of rather, there's that poignancy you get with Beckett, you know, the, the kind of the, the, the solitary person. Um, but uh, even in extremists, retaining a degree of humanity and, and dignity. And I, I think it's a nice idea to put it at the beginning of the festival. The first time I did it, I, I just played it with a probably a group of, when I made a harmonization, I made a group of maybe like half a dozen friends who would play it through. And I mean, you could do it with just one, one person, you know, one instrument, you could do it. And uh, yeah, it's infinitely variable, you know, adaptable in any situation. Bit by bit over the years, I did various, I kept adding these different orchestrations and different instruments could, could be used for it. And then in 1975, I made a, an LP recording uh, for Brian Eno's Obscure Records label. And, and for that, I put together a kind of all these different versions. So we actually had a full orchestration. And I thought, well, that's it. I've done it. But then, you know, after a while, people ask to do it again. And you find, you know, I've got a French horn section, or I've got saxophones, or I've got an accordion, which I've never had before. And so you, you add another bit for them. And so it, it keeps going up. And I've done it with, you know, with three choirs and with big church organ, with you know, a group of electric guitars, you know, recorders, all sorts of things. And uh, I mean, there's, there's a version for just for string quartets, and you know, it can be done by almost anything. And it, its length can be any length, you know, as well. I mean, I, I, I never want it to outstay its welcome. So if you only had maybe like half a dozen instruments, you probably wouldn't, you wouldn't do a 30 minute version, you might do a sort of 15 or so. And you tailor it, so it, it, it doesn't become like a kind of a marathon or something which is an imposition. There's a kind of natural sensor. The whole thing should feel like really completely natural and completely organic. Yeah.